Welcome to the E-Commerce Fuel Podcast, your headquarters for building a six-figure-plus e-commerce business. I'm your host, e-commerce entrepreneur and Jeff Bezos wannabe, Andrew Derry. Hey guys, it's Andrew here and welcome to the E-Commerce Fuel Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. Today, talking about a topic I'm kind of passionate about, I think is an interesting one. Should you know how to code, how to program? There's a big uh, there's been a big push recently that everyone in the world should know how to code. Interesting topic, and we're going to be tackling that. And joining me today to talk about the topic is Drew Sanaki, almost cast for the 1990s movies Hackers, based on his coding chops back in the day. Drew, how's it going, buddy? It's going well. How's it going with you? Uh, good. Good. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen, you remember that movie? Yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah? Oh, that's a great yeah, movie. Yeah, remember the movie. Completely. Un- if you're a coder, it will drive you Partially crazy because it's unlike any kind of real coding, which is, <laughs> which is true of almost any programming movie. Quick aside, I've always thought it'd be really cool if they did a programming movie that was actually true to life with like Unix coding and the programming and it would be wildly popular in geek scenes and everyone else would hate it. <laughs> but if there's an indie filmmaker out there that wants to tackle it, I will show up. Uh, before we dive into the topic today, though, going to do a first sale shout out. And this one's going out to Alex Emery from theclassylime.com. And Alex writes in, I recently made my first organic sale with my first website, and it's been an amazing feeling watching more and more people begin organically see the site that are outside of my direct network and contacts. Thank you so much for all of your advice and highlighting the importance of entrepreneurs taking responsibility for their business growth early on rather than outsourcing immediately. So Alex, very cool, man. Congratulations. Uh, obviously, you're selling uh, t-shirts over at theclassylime.com. And best of luck, man. Hope things continue to go well for you. And a quick question from Andy. And he says, I like how you and Pat have video reviews over at rightchannelradios.com as a value add, in addition to building authority. Since you are a drop shipper, were these product samples from the manufacturer and later returned? I will be likely be drop shipping and wondering how to get your hands on so many product models. Really good question, Andy. We actually, for those videos, some of those videos, I actually flew out to the warehouse about a year into the business. It was really ghetto. Just took a terrible camcorder, awful lighting, and shot some really sketchy videos in like a 48-hour video marathon. But a lot of the ones that we do now, we actually buy the products and just have them shipped over to our offices or our house and do the filming there. So we pretty much figure it's, some of them will return, some of them will give away, a lot of them just end up cluttering up our office space, but uh, <laughs> that's how it works. Drew, did you end up, I mean, you obviously were a drop shipper. did you end up with just tons of returned stuff that even if you tried to get it going back to the supplier would inevitably make its way back to your offices or home? Yeah, for the most part, we took returns back to our office and, and it didn't go to the supplier. The suppliers didn't take them back. So we had just a ton of product to photograph and video around the office. The other thing we would do would be to use the industry trade shows as media collection events. So there was a big furniture show in New York every summer. We'd send the whole team equipped with video camcorders and cameras. And at that point, we'd, we'd know our vendors really well. We'd just go into their booth and spend a lot of time photographing everything and talking about it. So we collected a lot of a lot of great media at the trade shows. Nice. Very cool. And, and the thing is, it doesn't, for videos, the video does not have to be, you know, Academy Award winning production shot stuff. Right. I mean, that helps, but at some level it can also, it makes it a lot harder to produce in mass. And just getting something in front of a camera, talking about it, turning it around, in and of itself, even if it's just with a camcorder, can be really valuable. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you get better organic listings because the video will, will rank in Google, which would be nice if you, if you provision it onto something like YouTube or Vimeo. And it also just different. If you're a dropshipper and you're selling the same stuff as a ton of other online retailers, it's just another great differentiator. And I would say the last thing you might try would be to ask some of your customers for a video and for pictures of their product. And we did that. It, it added this nice layer of community to our site and really differentiated the brand. Yeah, that's something we did too with Right Channel is asking for just soliciting. We actually paid for product pictures. We People yep. would, yeah, you know, $5 per product picture that wasn't terrible and, and out of focus. And it's neat because it will... It's a great way to get shots of your product in its the natural environment, whether it's on a truck with my products or whether it's with your guys' Drew in a, you know, in a house and seeing what it looks like in an actual environment. Something right. you can't do on your own without leveraging your customers. So Right. So let's get on to the main show today. Should entrepreneurs know how to code? And really more of a focus on should solo entrepreneurs or small independent merchants know how to code. And I think before we tackle this, it'd be interesting to talk about the setting and our backgrounds. And in terms of the setting, like 2014, the e-commerce world, we're moving more and more into a SaaS world, software as a service. So hosted shopping carts like BigCommerce and Shopify. And so it's easier than ever to get a store and a business up without knowing how to code. With stuff like Odesk, it's you can hire, you know, hire coders for 15 bucks an hour on Odesk that can do a lot of stuff for you. And so there's the mantra of outsource, outsource, outsource and being less important. So that's kind of the setting we're in that we're going to be tackling this question in. And we want to talk just real briefly so you know where we're coming from about our backgrounds. Drew, can you kind of talk about your background with coding and uh, if you are a coder, if you're not and how you got into it? Sure. I consider myself like a, a hack developer. And I know PHP and some, you know, Ruby and a couple other things, but just enough to be dangerous. And it's, I, I was on the job trained. I didn't study it at school. I was an international relations major, but I was always sort of familiar with websites. I, you know, when, when HTML came out and the internet came out, I started building websites on my own and that was just straight HTML, but it really ramped up when I started my business. And I was like pretty much everybody listening to this podcast, I was bootstrapping. I didn't have a lot of money to spend on developers. At that time, it was very expensive to get a lot of the cart software built or configured correctly. And this would be in 2003. So I just went to the library and got a bunch of books on PHP, MySQL, and I taught myself, you know, in, in a month or two, I, I had a, uh, the skeleton of a shopping cart built and, um, I loved it. It's sort of the ultimate in self-reinforcing behavior. Like you put something out there, you get immediate feedback on whether it works or not. And because I had that kind of encouragement and positive feedback, I just kept learning. And I learned all the way through uh, when we sold our company in 2012. Yeah, my background, I started, uh, my parents bought me one of those old IBM PC juniors that that had basic and DOS on it back when I was, you know, maybe 10 or 11 or 12 or something. And so I kind of got the bug then and started hacking away at basic and worked as a Java programmer in school. I, I don't know what firm was crazy enough to hire me in high school to write code. It was probably awful, but did just a little bit there. And it's funny you mentioned going to the library, Drew. I would, I would love like going to Barnes and Noble. A lot of my friends are like, go to the comic book section or, or something like that. My favorite section was the computer book section. And you'd go there and just, I could sit for hours and look through those books. And those books, like when you would buy, at least for me, I was in high school or in college, buying a computer book, 
at Barnes and Noble, those things were like 50 bucks a pop. They're crazy expensive. So yeah, probably should have gone to the library more like you. But, <laughs> but that is, it's interesting to note that I think we both started with sort of an appetite for it. Mm-hmm. We both, yeah, I, I always liked computers and I wasn't trained as a developer by any stretch, but as soon as I started learning, it came pretty easy to me. And I don't think that's the case with everybody. And so, but it sounds like it was the same for you. So I would, throughout this podcast, let's just have some awareness about that, that maybe not everybody is in the same boat. So what what you're saying is we should, we should make this objective and actually get someone on here who isn't madly in love with programming is what you're saying. Well, I'm I'm wondering, (laughs) you know, I'm going to say it was a good idea for me, at least at the beginning, but I realized that not everybody might take to it like I did. Yeah, no, definitely a good point. And that's a good segue into kind of the first point I have. We're kind of going to do the pros and cons, but, but off the bat, five reasons why I think you should learn or at least at a minimum understand the basics behind programming. And the first one for me is completely aside from the technology, it's an incredible tool for helping you to think critically, to problem solve, and to troubleshoot. I think one of the things that, that programming helped me with was really learning how to isolate problems in code. And so one of the things, as any programmer will tell you, is when you're building something up, you spend probably, you think like people who aren't programmers, you think you'd spend all your time just writing code and you'd run it, it would work great. In reality, you spend 20% of your time writing code and 80% of your time trying to figure out why in the heck your code isn't working properly. And so isolating problems in the code really helps you troubleshoot and think through problems. And then also, it really helps you think through how to approach an idea and a problem when you're trying to solve something. And you've got to think through how to best structure the approach to think through the problem. In terms of critical thinking, it was really helpful for me. I agree with with that. I think I had it in me, but it gave me some discipline on how to think through a problem. So I would agree with number one. Yeah. And it's something I think it's for me, because you said it was easy when you started. And for me, I I don't necessarily know if it was easy. It was it was really frustrating. Like some of the most frustrating things in the world that I've ever been involved with have involved programming. <laughs> but I think it gives you a framework and a, and a tool set for deconstructing problems, which is really cool. So number two, as a solo entrepreneur, it's important to understand, even if you don't master, but to understand every aspect of your business. Drew, what do you think? I think that is an important reason. And I don't want to bleed too much into the next one you're about to talk about. But I think it's an, you know, you're running an online business and I am constantly amazed at the number of struggling e-commerce entrepreneurs I run into who don't have any sort of online savvy. Like they don't, they, they look at only the products they're selling and they're not thinking about the methods by which they're selling them. And I think, but that's your business, right? Like you're not operating in a brick and mortar store, you're online and you should know at least an entry level amount about securities certificates, maybe how HTML and CSS work, just all those things. And I think becoming an entry level programmer is a good way to do that. Yeah. If you can understand, you know, if you understand just the basics of programming and you can understand how to fix your site in a pinch or configure something correctly or be able to make changes just to your website or your product layout page without having to pay someone else $100 per hour. I don't think either you or I, Drew, would advocate as a business owner, even with our programming background, I'm kind of the same way as you. I'm kind of a hack at this point. It's, I can get in and hack some things, but it's been a while since I've sat down and coded a, you know, a lot every day. Outsourcing programming is great, but being able to understand that, being able to tweak it when you can is really important. And I think this is what you alluded to. 
Point number three, it allows you to successfully hire, manage, and critique programmers. There's no way you can manage what you don't understand. If I went out and tried to hire a crew of mechanical engineers and outsource their work to be a services agency, I would almost certainly fail because I know nothing about, right. about mechanical engineering. And so it allows you to really be able to talk to programmers intelligently, to understand their problems, to not be taken advantage of on one side, and then also to be able to empathize with programmers and, and know that, hey, you know what you're... Because if you go to a good programmer and something that needs to get done is legitimately going to take a month and you expect them to get it done in a week... You're going to have a hard time having a decent working relationship. Right. That, and then the reverse also. If you think, well, I, I've run into a lot of entrepreneurs who just think of technology as a giant hurdle that, for example, one client I've worked with has spent an insane amount of money essentially for something they could have gotten through a Shopify theme, right? So if you're spending, but they have no idea. They're spending like $50,000, $100,000 for some quote-unquote custom functionality or for an e-commerce platform, which is just Shopify plus a theme. And they have no idea that they're getting taken advantage of. So I think some knowledge about programming will give you a good idea of what things should cost and uh, you know what's possible and what isn't. Number four, the majority of successful solo online entrepreneurs that I know have some kind of coding or technical knowledge. And there's definitely exceptions, right? There's, there's guys, and this isn't, you know, maybe a solo online entrepreneur. You think of guys like Gary V. I mean, a crazy, boisterous, insanely successful guy. I'm betting he's not a programmer. I'm pretty sure about that. And there's, there's, you can, you can point to all sorts of counterexamples, but the majority of guys I know running, running small shops doing well, they've got some kind of background in the tech or programming space. Is that the case with you, Drew? Yeah, I've yet to run into any who haven't. Yeah. That kind of experience. Yeah. And again, you don't have to necessarily be, you know, Bill Gates here being able to code Microsoft from scratch, but you got to know the fundamentals. Number five, maybe it's a bit of a power trip and not as business related, but it's really fun and empowering. Kind of like, Drew, you touched on this. Like, it is so cool to sit down and write a program, envision something, work through the problems that pop up as you're developing it and have it come out the other side and do exactly what you want. It's this incredible sense of power and, and independence that you have. And it's, it's really, really cool. There's a psychiatrist, his name is, I think it's Mikhail Shishmaili. I don't you know. It's like a lot of consonants, <laughs> but he, he came up with this concept of flow. Like when you get in a state of oh, yeah. flow, you lose all track of time. And it's almost like this meditative state where you're just completely focusing on what's in front of you. And uh, I, I find programming to be like that, at least in the early days when I was learning. It's so fun. You know, it's so fun to make, to realize the power you have when you can just make changes and you see them on the website in the same, you know, later on that day and you see customers interacting with your new functionality. That's pretty cool. And then finally, number six, even with the, in the SaaS world that we live in with all the hosted carts and business tools that you can log in and, and just use out of the gates, I think there's still a role for coding and technology. A couple examples. Let's say, let's say you're on like a big commerce store. If you want to build any kind of advanced functionality into that store that's not out of the gates, you're going to need to work with an API, application programming interface. It's a way you can interact with big commerce to add your own custom functionality to it. And if you want to do that, you either need to do it yourself 
and learn how to do that. Or you need to be able to manage somebody to write that app for you. And in either case, you need to have a tech background. Even at a simpler level, if you want to go in and, and make changes to your store with HTML and CSS, aren't technically programming languages, but they're definitely kind of technical knowledge. You've, maybe you've got someone on your team, but if you don't, unless you want to pay $100 an hour to have somebody come make those changes for you, it's really nice to be able to hop in and make those small tweaks when you need to. I agree. Yeah, a couple caveats here. So there's, uh, you know, as Drew mentioned, those are the six reasons from two guys that are madly on one side of the fence here. <laughs> so maybe yeah. take it for what it's worth. A couple caveats, though. I think, I think if you're part of a multi-owner team and you have a really technical co-founder, this is probably less critical. Again, this is more geared toward if you're on your own or in a small team without a lot of technical folks. You got you know Bill Gates Jr. on your team. This isn't as important. But I think there's still a lot of benefits of learning the basics. A couple of reasons I think it can be dangerous just to try to give some sense of objectivity, even though it's, it's not an objective piece. One reason it can be really dangerous is I think potentially it can be a huge suboptimal use of your time if you do know how to program in terms of programming versus your business interests. Did that ever crop up with you, Drew? Oh, it totally. That is huge. This is like, I want to shine such a spotlight on this reason because although I think it would behoove anybody to learn how to write some code, this is the primary danger. And it's that it's almost like you feel like you're doing work, but it's often just busy work when you should be focusing on your business. Like, okay, I'm just going to code this little functionality that we need, or I'm going to, you know, tweak the way this looks on the site. And in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter what you should be focusing on is marketing or strategy or hiring or something like that. So in my business, I would say, you know, I ran my business for eight years. The first four or five, I would have said, hands down, it's great to be the programmer. My business partner and I were like the two developers for our business. We never had to outsource anything. And yet for the last, for the second half of of running my business, I would say that I wish we had developers on staff or I wish we had another solution because in the early days, it helped us innovate and change and do things on the cheap. And in the later days, I watched as my business partner and I became bottlenecks and every change to the site had to go through us. I know you're going to talk about Magento in your example, but we moved over to Magento and I spent all this time learning how to <laughs> to do custom extensions, to build custom extensions for Magento, which, you know, I should have been thinking about the business and how things were moving from like a dropship model to sort of a flash sale model and, and just how to compete there and less about like how to build out Magento. Yeah, because as you scale, as your business grows, you can outsource it's never simple to bring on a programmer into something you've built, but it's a heck of a lot simpler to bring in a programmer to help take your your focus off the technical side than it is to hire someone to run the strategic side and the marketing side of the business, you know, hands right, down. Right. Yeah, for me, I mean, you mentioned Magenta. Magenta was, was kind of my stab to the heart as well. I, I came from, we migrated over to Magenta and I spent like almost the better part of a month and a half just learning the ins and out of Magento, like how to configure it, how to upgrade it. Oh my gosh, what a nightmare yep. that was. Yep. And it was complete suboptimal use of my time. I should have hired somebody, spent 1500 bucks, got it done, moved on with life. It is nice knowing some of the basics because now if something goes wrong, I have a rough idea. But yeah, I, I, you phrased it perfectly, Drew. I think I had a couple different reasons why it's dangerous and they all pretty much tied back <laughs> to what you, what you said. So yeah, so. And I think as, as a developer, you kind of, you, you liked Magenta because you can make it do anything. And in the early days, I looked down my nose at things like 
Shopify, like, oh, a hosted solution. Why would, why would I want that when I can make Magento do anything? And now my opinion is just reversed. I've done a 180 on that because I just see Shopify is so easy. When I hear of people who want to add this functionality or that functionality to their shopping cart that's really designed for one potential customer out of 10,000 that might come to their site, I'm thinking, man, why, avoid all those headaches and just go to a hosted solution where you don't have to deal with custom development. Yeah, I mean, we're we're in the process now of moving over to a probably to a hosted solution as well for the same reason. You know, it's just it's I'm tired of playing system admin. And can you customize the mm-hmm. heck out of Magento? Yes, you can. For a small store like me, you know, that, that's relatively small compared to some of these big behemoths. For me, being able to tweak every single last iota of the store is much less important to me than being able to uh, to have something that I can customize but that also isn't going to suck up all my time and a ton of resources to, to be able to administer and, and keep running. So, right. so if you are, uh, actually before, before we get to maybe some, some next steps for programmers, one last thing I want to touch on is that I think it's really hard. This is, this is a hard balance to strike because I think people tend to be in one of the two camps. They, they tend to either be really love marketing and love the business side of things and, and rah, 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 business marketing product. And they have no interest in, in, in tech or they're very entrenched in the programming side and hate marketing. You know, I know a lot of programmers that just are brilliant programmers and do a really good job, but man, they just, they hate marketing. And so I think it's important to pick your expertise, focus on one of those, but either or, if you're a coding guy, you got to understand marketing and vice versa. So it's, it's hard, easy to say, but hard to do. So maybe I'll just put that out there. So... So if you are interested in getting started with programming, here's a few next steps, ways you can dive into it. First things first, if you're not going to learn anything else as, a, as an online entrepreneur, as an e-commerce guy, learn HTML and CSS. Those, you know, if we had a hardcore programmer on here, and Drew, maybe you can slap me down here. It's technically not a programming language, the more markup and languages for how things are displayed online. But they're really the, the bread and butter of how content is displayed and how it looks on your website. And if you know those, you can make a lot of tweaks, especially for something like, you know, big commerce or Shopify. Next after that, I'd recommend diving into PHP or JavaScript. And again, might get yelled at here by some hardcore programmers, but, but PHP and JavaScript, they're easy to learn. And they're easy to execute on your system and kind of be able to write programs and see how they work without getting too technical. Um, if you really want to get into it after that, you can get into Python and Ruby. But PHP actually is, I'd say, the majority of... It's kind of seen, I think, as a, by a lot of programmers as a kind of an inferior language. And it does have a lot of problems and it's definitely older. It's the language that the majority of open source shopping carts run on. So if you are going to, you know, if you are going to go that route, Magento, you know, OpenCart, all these guys, they run on PHP. So finally, go to codeacademy.com. They've got a ton of great tutorials on all this stuff, HTML, CSS, PHP, JavaScript, that walk you through how to learn this in a really cool way, something that probably, you know, wasn't available to Drew and I when we were getting started. And then finally, Google, you've got an interest to learn it. There are so many great tutorials on this kind of stuff that uh, you know, lack of information is not, should not be a bottleneck. So any other resources you think, Drew, getting started? Uh, you know, I, when I learned PHP, I hung out just on php.net and it was more like one tab of my browser open to a page of Magento, the other tab open up to php.net and just trying to figure out what the heck was going on in there. It's very easy because you can type in functions and, and see what they do. It's almost like a translator for, for code. 
Code Year is something very similar to Code Academy. So if you don't like Code Academy's approach, try Code Years. But those are great places to start. Drew, we're going to have to wrap up this. Uh, you know, next time I'm in New York or, or you're you're in Bozeman because you come to Bozeman, so come through Bozeman so often. <laughs> yeah. I have to go to the local uh, local Barnes and Noble and grab a coffee, and for old times' sake, just uh, hang out by the programming books for for the better part of an hour. It'd be fun. So awesome, Drew. Hey, thanks, man. As always, it's been good talking, and looking forward to next time. All right, Andrew. Take care. That's going to do it for this week. But if you're interested in launching your own e-commerce store, download my free 55-page ebook on niche selection and getting started. And if you're a bit more experienced, look into the e-commerce fuel private forum. It's a vetted community for store owners with at least 4,000 in monthly sales or industry professionals with at least a year or more experience in the e-commerce space. You can learn more about both the ebook and the form at ecommercefuel.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again next Friday.